0: Chapter 56 of Malcolm by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Devorah Allen. Chapter 56 Something Forgotten. I will not trouble my reader with the thoughts that kept rising, flickering and fading one after another, for two or three dismal hours, as he lay with eyes closed but sleepless. At length he opened them wide and looked out into the room. It was a bright, moonlit night. The wind had sunk to rest. All the world slept in the exhaustion of the storm. He only was awake. He could lie no longer. He would go out and discover, if possible, the mischief the Tempest had done. He crept down the little spiral stair used only by the servants, and knowing all the mysteries of lock and bar, was presently in the open air— First he sought a view of the building against the sky, but could not see that any portion was missing. He then proceeded to walk round the house, in order to find what had fallen. There was a certain neglected spot, nearly under his own window, where a wall, across an interior angle, formed a little court or yard. He had once peeped in at the door of it, which was always half open, and seemed incapable of being moved in either direction but had seen nothing except a broken pail and a pile of brushwood. The flat arch over this door was broken, and the door itself half buried in a heap of blackened stones and mortar. Here was the avalanche, whose fall had so terrified the household. The formless mass had yesterday been a fair proportioned and ornate stack of chimneys. He scrambled to the top of the heap, and sitting down on a stone carved with a plaited Celtic band, yet again fell a-thinking. The Marquis must dismiss him in the morning. Would it not be better to go away now, and spare poor old Duncan a terrible fit of rage? He would suppose he had fled from the pseudo-maternal net of Mrs. Stewart. And not till he had found a place to which he could welcome him would he tell him the truth. But his nature recoiled, both from the unmanliness of such a flight, and from the appearance of conscious wrong it must involve, and he dismissed the notion. Scheme after scheme for the future passed through his head, and still he sat on the heap in the light of the high gliding moon, like a ghost on the ruins of his earthly home, and his eyes went listlessly straying like servants without a master. Suddenly he found them occupied with a low iron-studded door in the wall of the house, which he had never seen before. He descended and found it hardly closed, for there was no notch to receive the heavy latch." Pushing it open on great rusty hinges, he saw within what in the shadow appeared a precipitous descent. His curiosity was roused. He stole back to his room and fetched his candle, and having, by the aid of his tinder-box, lighted it in the shelter of the heap, peeped again through the doorway, and saw what seemed a narrow cylindrical pit. Only, far from showing a great yawning depth, it was filled with stones and rubbish nearly to the bottom of the door. The top of the door reached almost to the vaulted roof, one part of which, close to the inner side of the circular wall, was broken. Below this breach, fragments of stone projected from the wall, suggesting the remnants of a stair. With the sight came a foresight of discovery. One foot on the end of a long stone sticking vertically from the rubbish, and another on one of the stones projecting from the wall, his head was already through the break in the roof and in a minute more he was climbing a small, broken, but quite passable spiral staircase, almost a counterpart of that already described as going like a huge auger-bore through the house from top to bottom—that, indeed, by which he had just descended. There was most likely more of it buried below, probably communicating with an outlet in some part of the rock towards the burn. But the portion of it which, from long neglect, had gradually given way— had fallen down the shaft, and cut off the rest with its ruins. At the height of a story he came upon a built-up doorway, and again at a similar height upon another. But the parts filled in looked almost as old as the rest of the wall. Not until he reached the top of the stair did he find a door. It was iron-studded and heavily hinged like that below. It opened outward, noiselessly, he found, as if its hinges had been recently oiled, and admitted him to a small closet, the second door of which he opened hurriedly with a beating heart. Yes, there was the check curtained bed. It must be the wizard's chamber. Crossing to another door, he found it both locked and further secured by a large iron bolt in a strong staple. This latter he drew back, but there was no key in the lock. With scarce a doubt remaining, he shot down the one stair and flew up the other to try the key that lay in his chest. One moment, and he stood in the same room, admitted by the door next his own. Some exposure was surely not far off. Anyhow, here was room for counterplot, on the chance of baffling something underhand, villainy most likely, where Mrs. Cattenaw was concerned. And yet, with the control of it thus apparently given into his hands, he must depart, leaving the house at the mercy of a low woman, for the lock of the wizard's door would not exclude her long if she wished to enter and range the building. He would not go, however, without revealing all to the marquis, and would at once make some provision towards her discomfiture. Going to the forge, and bringing thence a long bar of iron to use as a lever, he carefully drew from the door-frame the staple of the bolt and then replaced it, so that, while it looked just as before, a good push would now send it into the middle of the room. Lastly, he slid the bolt into it, and having carefully removed all traces of disturbance, left the mysterious chamber by its own stair, and once more ascending to the passage, locked the door, and retired to his room with the key. He had now plenty to think about beyond himself, here certainly was some small support to the legend of the wizard earl. The stair which he had discovered had been in common use at one time. Its connection with other parts of the house had been cut off with an object, and by degrees it had come to be forgotten altogether. Many villainies might have been effected by means of it. Mrs. Cattenham must have discovered it the same night on which he found her there, had gone away by it then, and had certainly been making use of it since. When he smelt the sulphur, she must have been lighting a match. It was now getting towards morning, and at last he was tired. He went to bed and fell asleep. When he awoke it was late, and as he dressed he heard the noise of hoofs and wheels in the stable-yard. He was sitting at breakfast in Mrs. Courthope's room, when she came in full of surprise at the sudden departure of her lord and lady. The Marquis had rung for his man, and Lady Florimel for her maid, as soon as it was light. Orders were sent at once to the stable. Four horses were put to the travelling carriage, and they were gone. Mrs. Courthope could not tell whither. Dreary as was the house without Florimel, things had turned out a shade or two better than Malcolm had expected, and he braced himself to endure his loss. End of chapter 56